episode 66 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another episode of the show, talking Knicks and NBA as usual. Going to do things a little bit differently this week, and and it's just because of the simple fact that I just want to preface this by saying, you know, it's great that we're this far, right, at the end of the NBA season. I'm going to start with NBA stuff first. I'm sorry, uh, yes, first this week. Because even for me, it's a <laughs> it's a little bit of a change because I, I've gone. I went back and forth on this before the show. There's a ton of Nick stuff to get to this week. A lot of draft stuff. A lot of draft buildup. It's just a little different because there's just it's rare that during the off season the Nick stuff outweighs the NBA stuff. Obviously, we're we're in the NBA Finals. It's the point where really it shouldn't outweigh it even on a Knicks show but here's where I'm at and this is where we'll all start I feel like the NBA finals is over I feel like game one kind of took the wind out of the sails of the series obviously the Lakers were the better team on the night but it comes down to the injuries. And we'll talk, we're going to talk a lot of draft. We're going to talk a lot of prospects. We're going to talk other Knicks news in the second half of the show. Maybe it might even bleed over into the first half of the show, depending on how long I want to talk about the finals, because there's a lot of Knicks stuff to get to this week. A lot of stuff people have been messaging me about saying, are you going to comment on the show this week? A few things that, that we'll touch on with that, that I'm actually pretty excited to get into. But Game one of the NBA Finals kind of took the wind out of the sails of the series for me. There's a lot of other uh, things going on with the MLB playoffs, with soccer and things like that that I'm interested in, not only for my job, but as a, on a personal level. So I almost, you know, I'm, all, I'm already starting, it stinks to say this, but I'm already starting to think about putting the NBA Finals to the back burner here because game one was a dud. It really was. Um, obviously the, the injuries didn't help, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Jimmy Butler gets hurt. Bam Adebayo is hurt. Goran Dragic gets hurt. And it, it was one of those things where you just leave game one thinking, man, I just, I just don't see the Heat getting back into this series. I thought game one was crucial for the Heat. I thought they had to win it if they wanted to win this series. Um, I thought if they had lost game one, really under any circumstances, even if they were healthy, I thought the Lakers would go on from there and win the title. But now, looking like Butler has a, has a left ankle sprain, or at least rolled his left ankle, really didn't play well in the second half because of it. Bam Adebayo has a strained neck, and it's a torn plantar fasciitis in the left foot of Goran Dragic. And listen, you know, Butler keeps saying, you know, he's going to play. You know, it's one of those things that he's going to play no matter what, and he's going to go out there and compete. Um, looks like Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo are big, big question marks for game two both look like they could miss out and honestly if either one misses out the heat are at a huge disadvantage i think both of those guys are huge reasons they're even here 
So I, I worry about the rest of this series. I really do. I thought LeBron was great in game one. I think there's no getting around that. I thought Anthony Davis was good, not great. Didn't need to be great in game one. You know, the the supporting cast kind of picked up the slack in some ways for the Lakers, and they kind of rolled from there. I, I didn't feel like game one was ever really all that competitive. And the fi- I mean, the final was 116-98, to 98, but it felt like more than that. You know, at times, I think the Lakers were almost up by 30 at one point. It was a, it was a blowout, you know, no question about that. And the injuries definitely had something to do with that. But it's one of those things where Eric Spolstra is in a tough, tough position. No question about it. Um, listen, you know, according to, to Tim Reynolds, who I think covers the Heat. Let me confirm that before I read this. Oh, he covers the, he's an AP sports writer. So he's covering the NBA finals for the, for the AP, the Associated Press. According to him, Bam Adebayo wants to play in game two, but many others are saying he's a doubt to play. And I, and I think even if he's playing through pain, the Heat are at a huge disadvantage. I really think that this series could be over before it even started. And that is disappointing. With the drama we've had, you know, in this postseason and the way the series in multiple levels of the playoffs have played out, it's just been fantastic. And for it to potentially end on this kind of a sour note with one team just kind of collapsing due to injuries, it's a tough way for the NBA season to end. Obviously, if you're a Laker fan, it doesn't matter how you win it, it's that you win it. But it's a tough way. for it to go down if it goes down this way I just don't see the heat being able to recover I still think they could possibly get a game in this series the Lakers are prone to losing games they shouldn't at times but I don't see this series going further than five games I think the heat will get pretty much battered for the rest of the series and I just don't see a way back into it you know especially with who's injured not just the fact that they have injuries but the fact that Jimmy Butler is going to be playing through pain, the fact that now Bam Adebayo's got an injury, and Goran Dragic is even more serious than Bam Adebayo's. So it, it, this is tough, man. This is tough because, listen, the Heat have done an unbelievable job just to get here, watching Game 6. And listen, the Celtics did their part to get back into that series. And if, in my opinion, if the Celtics would have won Game 6, and for a while they were up, in game six, I think they would have won the series. I really do. And the Heat put a stop to it in the final quarter of game six and pulled away at the end to get back to the NBA Finals, which honestly, for Eric Spolster's group, is a win already. You know, they were not expected to be here as Eastern Conference champions, but they've done it. So you got to give the Heat organization from top to bottom credit for that. But you look at the fact that... LeBron and the Lakers are rolling. The Heat would have had a chance, you know, in my opinion, if the team's healthy, you know, or at least, you know, battling without these extra injuries involved. And the guys, again, that have gotten hurt are so crucial to what the Miami Heat do on both sides of the court. I really worry about them moving forward. I really do. I just don't quite know if they're going to get a game in this series. And I listen, the Lakers, I think, were the heavy favorites before. Now, if they lose, it would be a miracle at this point. It really is not looking good for the Miami Heat. Before we move on, and, and you know, to be honest, I hate to go like this, but there's not much else to talk about in this series. You know, it's, it's 
the series was kind of, you know, I feel like even going into this series, it was really just when are the Heat going to win their first game, and the earlier they do it, the better this series is going to be. And the way game one went down, I just remember looking at the stats last night and looking at the... um, Looking at the way it ended, I just remember thinking, oh my God, I mean, the series is done. There's no way back. And listen, the Heat are a tough team. They're going to fight till the end. I'm not I'm not questioning that. I'm just thinking as far as any shot the Heat had of winning the series really just went up in smoke in game one. It, it reminded me of the NBA Finals two years ago. When the Warriors played the Cavs and the 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 Cavs got the lead the the lead late, or I sh- or I should say yeah had the lead late in Game One at Golden State blew it. Then J.R. Smith had the crazy play at the end of regulation when the game was tied. Could have went up with it after a missed free throw, dribbled it out for some reason. Bonehead mistake. Thought he would, thought they were up one. Goes to overtime. The Warriors crush the Cavs in overtime and then go on and win the series in, I think, five games. So that was a different situation. The, the The Cavs were healthy for the most part and had, you know, a chance to win game one. But that felt like their chance to make it a series. And, and I felt like if the Heat were going to do that, this was the chance. And it just blew up in their faces with injuries. And now we're sitting in with a 1-0 series that doesn't look like it's going anywhere. And I, I think if the Lakers win game two, which it looks like they're in a huge position to do so, I think there's no way back for the Miami Heat. I think if they are going to pull off any sort of miracle here, they've got to win game two. I don't think they're coming back from a 2-0 deficit against this Laker team that's not only healthy, but clicking on all cylinders at the moment. So listen, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, I think, for the Miami Heat fans. But they've had an incredible season. I feel like I'm already putting the postmortem on it, but that's that's what it feels like. It felt like any shot that the Heat had really was game one and they just didn't have enough in the tank and the injuries man it's 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 a combination of both and now we wait you know we wait to see what happens in game two and um we see if bam out of bio will play jimmy butler looks like he will play and then who knows with goran Dragic, it looks like he's going to be doubtful for game two same with bam out of bio but again some are reporting like the ap that he expects to play so we'll see how game two goes down in the NBA finals. But for right now, it's not looking good for Miami. But here's the thing. You know, it just takes one game in an NBA finals to pull it and turn it around. Just when am Miami going to win it? You know, I feel like they can still win a game in this series. I said that earlier. But if it's not game two, I don't think it's it's going to matter. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens and and if these warrior Miami Heat players can play through the pain maybe they can make game 2 interesting but we'll see we'll see how it plays out with game 2 of the NBA finals again 116 to 98 was the final score in game number 1 so we'll see i mean again really it came down to that third quarter the fourth quarter was a, pretty much a formality so to be fair, the second quarter was a bit of a blowout as well. And now we wait, you know, that you guys will be watching some of you maybe as this is, uh, you know, the game two is the day the podcast goes out again. For those that are new to the show, I record the day before the, sh- the show goes out most weeks. So 
Um, it's one of those things. You guys will have it early in the day, and then you'll listen to Game 2 tonight. I, I'll say this. If, if the Heat have any chance of making this a series, it really comes down to, to two things. You know, obviously the health of the team, but can they make some threes? I mean, I think that is big in this series against the Lakers. You're not going to maybe not outshoot the Lakers, but you got to hold them in check from three, and then you got to knock down your shots. That's what Miami's been so good at this season, knocking down threes and defending from the perimeter into the paint. So I I think that that's going to be the difference in game two. Again, the Lakers are heavy favorites, but we'll see. And again, one game can change it, but if Miami doesn't win game two, I, I really think that this series is going to be over well before it started. So tough, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I actually have been given some breaking news here. And by given, I've got a notification on my phone. There have been some rumors over the last couple of days that there have been a co- there'll be some coaching uh, switches in the NBA. Obviously, and I forgot to mention this because... I wasn't sure if I was going to leave with this because I was going to wait and see what happened here. But obviously, Doc Rivers parted ways with the Clippers. He's now been hired, reportedly, to be the next head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, believe it or not. That is a big deal, potentially, for Philly. Tough way for those two to split in L.A. 2-3-1 series blown, I believe, under Doc Rivers' watch. With the LA Clippers, Lob City blew one, and now this year's team with Kawhi and Paul George blew a 3-1 lead as well. The Rockets got them the first time with Lob City, and obviously this year, the Western Conference runners-up, the Denver Nuggets, did it to them the second time. Denver, by the way, worth mentioning, they came back from two 3-1 series in this NBA playoff run, but... They were down 3-1 again in the Western Conference Finals and couldn't turn it around in Game 5. Anyway, just thought that was interesting. And listen, you know, I think Brett Brown deserves some credit. He was through the bad times, got the Sixers to a place where they're consistently making the playoffs, but never really got over the hump. The fact that this Sixers team, with all this promise, hasn't been in an Eastern Conference Finals is pretty shocking, considering the hype and the talent around this team. Doc Rivers has got some big decisions to make. You know what I mean? And again, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here because I wasn't expecting to talk about this a ton on the show this week, but because it's breaking news, well, at least for us, you've already known about it. I'm getting this live as I'm recording here. I I think this is a potentially huge hire for the Sixers for two reasons. One, obviously, he can make this team better. That That's what... That's the big thing. But the second thing is Doc Rivers is a guy that's not going to be afraid to make big decisions with a roster. And I think that that a big decision has to be made on Joel Embiid. I think a big decision has to be made on Ben Simmons. And then you go from there because Tobias Harris is likely going to be sticking around for quite some time. He's locked up. You worry about now the role players on the team, who stays, who goes. Doc Rivers has got some big decisions to make about the future of this Sixers team that really didn't put up much of a fight against the Boston Celtics in the NBA playoffs. They gave you a little bit of extra fight at the end of Game 4, but the series was basically won by that point. So we wonder now what's going to happen with with the Clippers, right? I mean, 
Mike D'Antoni was a contender for the Sixers job, according to most reports. Who knows what's going to happen with the Clipper job? I mean, the Rockets look to be going in a different direction, obviously. So do the Clippers now with the Doc Rivers uh, mutual parting ways, however you want to put that. What happens now with two of the powers in the West? Obviously, we mentioned Billy Donovan leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder to go take the Chicago Bulls job, which at the moment is a huge step down as far as talent and current state of the roster. So there's a lot of playoff teams all of a sudden that are moving and shaking coaching-wise in the East. I'm sorry, in the West, I should say. And then that is trickling into the East in some respects. So very interesting to see how that plays out, obviously, going into next season. However, that's going to look moving forward as well. That's another decision that we'll discuss on future podcasts as well. But for the time being, I, I think you look at the fact that this move with the Sixers could really change the Atlantic division. You know, again, this is a team that's been one of the powers along with the Celtics. All of a sudden, a big question mark goes over the future of this roster. I'm curious to see what happens with the stars here because there's been rumors that the Sixers have been wanting to blow it up now for maybe two years. I mean, the last two years have not gone the way the Sixers had planned. Again, the Sixers plan to be maybe playing for an NBA championship over the last couple of seasons. It hasn't come close to happening. You know, again, they had the Jimmy Butler team that came within a Kawhi Leonard bounce of going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then this past year, you know, they just didn't quite figure out. should say the past, uh, past year, specifically in the regular season and then in the playoffs, just did not figure it out. And it, it comes down to this. Does Doc Rivers feel he has to shake it up or does he stick with what he's got and try to make the roster better from within and maybe get some supporting cast members through free agency or maybe through a smaller trade or two maybe even through the draft but that's 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 a shaky situation when you're looking for pieces to win a championship so listen i think it's a good hire overall for the sixers i think that they could really use doc rivers but Will what Doc Rivers brings to the table, you know, be enough to win a championship with what he's got? That's kind of the the big question mark in that scenario. By the way, Boston Celtics fans have got to be a little upset that the former Celtic head coach, you know, champion is now going to one of their arch rivals. That's got to be a bit of a slap in the face. I mean, not saying that they, you know, they need Doc Rivers. Brad Stevens is doing a phenomenal job. With the Celtics, the only thing he hasn't done is get to an NBA Finals and win a championship. He's done everything else for Boston, and they've got a really good young team. So I think Boston's fine with that. I think it's just going to be a little weird seeing their former former head coach for so long, a success since in Boston, now being in their own division. And not only that, but with their one of their most hated rivals in said division. So... That's going to be interesting to see how that moves and shakes forward going into next season as well. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Mike D'Antoni, by the way, last note on this, and then I'll take a break, and we'll get into the Knicks stuff next segment. Where's he end up? Because the fact that he was even linked with this job was a little bit of a shock because many said, you know, if he lost to to the Thunder, they were going to fire him, but he ends up winning that series, gives the Lakers a little bit of trouble, 
in the next round. But to be fair, that's another team. They're the Sixers of the West, those Rockets, and they just don't know what the heck they're going to do going forward, it seems like. They might blow it up. Who knows? I mean, they, you know, the, the only thing that's certain is they're going to keep James Harden, you would think. But other than that, it's a bit of a question mark in Houston as well. So it's one of those things where, you know, with this news, with D'Antoni being linked and then Doc Rivers getting the job, a lot of offseason stuff to talk about when we talk NBA on this show. All right, we'll take a break here. Knicks news, Knicks draft specifically. Just over a month away from the NBA draft, we're talking Knicks prospects and Knicks news and the Knicks draft. Coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, second half of the show, I didn't think I'd... Again, the Doc Rivers news kind of filled content where I didn't think I'd have any this week uh, with this notification. I'll shout out The Athletic because I've got them on notifications and they were the ones that sent me this story uh, as they do to everybody that's subscribed to The Athletic. Again, I'm not saying that to try to be cool. I'm just telling you how I got the information. I'm very interested to see how that all plays out moving forward. But for now, we move on to the Knicks where it's getting interesting during the offseason. Again, Leading into the draft is really where we're talking this week. Um, Before we do that, I I do want to mention one story um, that has popped up here as far as... You know what? Actually, it's it's draft-related. So, the news that that Killian Hayes would love to play with the Knicks and love to play with Frank Nilakina is kind of where I wanted to start this because... I I've got a lot of people messaging message me about Killian Hayes messaging me about Killian Hayes, I should say, pardon me. The last couple of weeks. And Killian Hayes is a guy, again, he's young. He's nineteen. He reminds me almost a little too much at times of Frank Nilakina. He's almost like he's it's almost like he's Frank Nilakina from, you know, three years ago. I don't love that. You know, I I, I listen. Apparently, Killian Hayes went on a Zoom call uh, and said that he'd love to, you know, play with him. He'd be the one. Nilakina would be the two, which is even more frightening than what, what the Knicks already have. And you guys know me. I'm not a fan long-term of what Frank Nilakina brings to the table. I think he should be uh, let go. I didn't think the Knicks should give him the the extension that they gave him. I think he's on a short leash this season, I don't think he gives the Knicks enough, you know, and listen, that changes if you bring in a good guard, right? Nilakina is a depth piece, and I've said this before, makes sense, but we're not talking backup or sixth man, by the way, you know, this is a, he's a third point guard on a roster because he can't score the ball at an assist, at, at a consistent rate. And listen, defensively, yes, he's made strides, but then there's there's games where he's just woefully inconsistent on both sides of the ball. And the Nilakina lovers out there never like to acknowledge that. It's one of those things where it's 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 swept under the rug when it comes to Frank Nilakina. He just doesn't do it enough consistently. And I get it, he's 22, but at some point you've got to get a point guard in there that can do the job. And Alfred Payton's been strong at times, but you need a future point guard that's going to be here for 10 years and shape the franchise. And 
I think, you know, and we'll get to the guys that I like, and we've been saying the same guys for months, but there's some news on some of those guys that we'll get to in a second. I just don't think the Killian Hayes move makes sense. When you've been burned by Frank Nilakina. you continually get burned by Frank Nilakina. And there's other guards around that I think that are much more capable at the moment of doing the job. And again, you have a chance of you know getting up to getting that top prize that you want, which is LaMelo Ball. And we'll get to him in just a second. The other part about this is I don't think the Knicks can take Killian Hayes unless they trade up. You know, there's a lot of mock drafts out there that have the Chicago Bulls taking Killian Hayes with the fourth pick in the draft. And I, and I think if the Knicks don't trade up, that's a godsend in my opinion. They can have him. I think it's too much of a risk to take him. I, I really do. I, I think that taking a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who we'll get to if you don't trade up or down, I think is a great idea. Cole Anthony, I think is definitely in the mix. I, I've loved him from the first time he was linked to the Knicks. And, and in college, again, I was a huge fan of his at North Carolina. I mean, he was on a bad team, by the way, too, and still put up ridiculously good numbers for the Tar Heels. So I, I think that, I really think that those are the two, unless you trade up for LaMelo Ball. I mean, those are the three. And I've said this before. If you get one of those three guys, you're off to a great start in this draft. I really, I really think so because the Knicks have a second first round pick where again, you could take another guard and you could be looking at a Jamius Ramsey, a Devon Dotson, or you can go talent at that position. And maybe, you know, you're looking at a, a Tyler Bay, or maybe you're looking at an RJ Hampton, a combo guard, there as well. And again, Emmanuel quickly could be there also. And then the late, sorry, the early second round pick here, I'd go talent. If you've addressed guard and maybe wing, I just go for talent with that second round pick. And there's a ton in the second round. You could be looking at Cassius Stanley, Philip Petrusev is an interesting one. Trey Jones, Malachi Flynn. I think you can even go a little bit further down in the second round and maybe look at a guy um, like a Lamar Stevens, maybe even a guy like a Marcus Howard as well. Those guys are a little bit more of the reaches in this draft. So, and Miles Powell, who's not on a lot of boards, I think is an interesting pick for a late second round. The Knicks don't really have, uh, aren't really in his range. So I, those are the kind of guys I think the Knicks will be looking at in this draft, especially if they don't really move or shake as much as we think they could in this draft. So I, I go back to that. And, and listen, I'm going to start diving into the guys that have been popping up in the news and that I've been asked about this week. Um, Kira Lewis Jr. is an interesting one for me. He's popped up a couple of times with people asking, it, you know, should the Knicks go for him and and things like that, you know, and, and obviously the Knicks are starting to talk to players. They talk, they talked to LaMelo Ball before the draft lottery. They've talked to Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you're starting to hear guys, you know, um, you know, talking with teams before the draft via zoom, you know, Kira Lewis jr. Um, was interviewed by the Knicks as well. So clearly they're interested in him and obviously the Knicks need to address the point guard, position. So I'm excited about it, to be honest with you. But the Kira Lewis Jr. situation for me, listen, he's a Queens native. That's a big plus. I I think that that could be a great motivation for a young guard to come to New York and do well. But 
This this is where I, I worry about Lewis Jr. Listen, the positives are pretty simple. They're pretty simple. He's extremely quick, maybe the quickest guard in the draft. That, that's what I've been reading and, and seeing from him while he was at Alabama, where, by the way, again, they've, they've had some good guards over the last couple of years. So I think that that's a great start in that uh, on on that side of things. On the other side, when you look at, you know, his love of the game, it's there. No question about it. But I, I worry about his turnovers. I worry about his free throw shooting a little bit as well. Um, I, I think that he's, he's going to be a good NBA player. I, I just don't know. He's 19, I think. Um, I just, I worry about his maturity. I worry about his passing and I worry about his composure on the ball. I think that's the biggest thing for me. You know, Brad Underwood, who was his coach last season, talked about how he could spread the floor for the Knicks and he talked him up a bit and, you know, he could be unpredictable and, and all this stuff, crafty, you know, great finisher at the rim I, I worry. I just worry about him running an offense. I, 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 I could. I just don't see him being the guy that could slot in and play right away. And for me, with that first pick, I, I just don't see Kira Lewis Jr. being an option. I think if he's around, I don't think he will be. To be fair, I think he's probably a mid-first round pick. So I, I think he's probably going to go anywhere from, I don't know, fifteen to probably, I don't know, twenty-four, somewhere around there someone's probably taken Kira Lewis Jr. I think that's his range in this draft. Because again, you've got Tyrese Maxey in that mix as well. Nico Mannion, Theo Maladon uh, as well. The French, another French point guard as well in that mix. So there's other guards that could be out there. RJ Hampton, by the way, a combo guard could really be in the mix in the mid to late first round area. Uh, as could Jamius Ramsey. So those are the kind of guys that I think that he'll be mixed in within this draft. I don't think the Knicks will take him. I think it's good that they interviewed him, that you had to do your due diligence, but I just don't think he makes a lot of sense, especially with what else is on the board potentially as well. That's what I look at when I look at him as a possible draft pick for the New York Knicks. That's what I worry about. The other news that came out this week is that the Knicks have, you know, the Knicks long ago before the draft lottery, they talked to LaMelo Ball. So apparently LaMelo Ball, according to uh, himself, he, he was uh, talking uh, to the media for the 2020 NBA Draft Combine, said that he's only talked to the Knicks. The, the Knicks are the only team he has discussed uh, things with so far. Don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing um, for that, but... There's also, you know, again, I read that and, and people were saying, well, that could be a good thing. And then I, I read a report that the Timberwolves are expected to take LaMelo Ball with the first pick of the draft and they're going to pass on Anthony Edwards. So <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, the Knicks, if they want LaMelo Ball, ha- might have to work pretty quickly here to get a trade done to go up and get him. I mean, that's the thing. He's, he could end up being the best player in this draft and other teams are, are debating whether or not they want to take him. And... It's one of those things where they could trade, you know, it's one of those things. There's, I think the Bleacher Report, uh, Bleacher Report, I think Jonathan Wasserman reported that 
the the Timberwolves are open for a trade. They'll they're willing to trade down, but if they don't, they could take Lamelo Ball over Anthony Edwards. It's not a slam dunk, no pun intended, that Anthony Edwards is the first pick in this draft. I've said that from the beginning. You know, again, there's three options up there. Lamelo Ball is one of them. James Wiseman is another, and Anthony Edwards. I mean, those are the three guys that are most likely to be taken first overall in this draft. And I think for the time being, you know, the Knicks have to make sure that they. And I said this. I said this about their their moving up options earlier you know, on past shows. The Knicks are not guaranteed to get him if they trade up to two or three. They need to trade up to one if they really want him. And whether they can find a deal that works. And, you know, again, there's deals out there that have been suggested that could work, but it comes down to who's in that room during these negotiations to figure it out. And in my opinion, the Knicks should not throw the kitchen sink at this because you could take Tyrese Halliburton or Cole Anthony at eight and feel great about your draft. So it's a tough call. It's a really tough call, but that's the other thing, right? If the Knicks fall in love with LaMelo Ball throughout this process and they're thinking, you know, all right, we'll deal with his dad, but this kid can play and he can be our future, then you got to figure out a way to get it done. But if the Knicks don't, you got to be, I think you can still feel really good about a Halliburton or Cole, or Cole Anthony, easy for me to say, <laughs> with that eighth pick. So, and I think you get either one of those guys there, by the way, I really do. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, the weirdest thing that I probably read this week, and I, I do feel the need to mention this because it hasn't come my way, but it's been stuff I've been reading just over the last couple of days, really about Tyrese Halliburton. And there's a report that the Knicks are worried about his build. They're worried about him putting on muscle and, and things like that. And, and they're, I don't know if they're wavering on him because of that, but apparently you know, according to Mark Berman, doesn't mean the Knicks are necessarily planning on taking Halliburton if he falls to the eighth pick. They have concerns over his build. But it's one of those things for me, like if you have concerns over his build, right? You're not you're not sure he's going to be able to put on muscle or he doesn't have the right body for an NBA point guard. I don't know what that, what that what where exactly they're going with that. Tyrese Halliburton is 6'5", 185 pounds, right? That has been a concern since his Iowa State days was about the transition. Could he put on muscle? I don't necessarily love that as an excuse by the Knicks. I really don't. If this is true, I I don't... I think Tyrese Halliburton, his, his body is ready for the NBA as far as being able to build, you know, to grow into it. He's 20 years old. Like, I, I just, I think that's harsh on a guy like him that can shoot the lights out of it. He can be electric offensively, great vision, you know, can really be an all-around fantastic point guard, potentially in the NBA. I really believe that. It just comes down to, you know, I don't like, you know, making an excuse not to take somebody. That's what that sounds like to me. That sounds like, hey, you know what? We're not completely sold on him. You know, we need an excuse here. You know what? He's a little skinny and maybe doesn't put muscle on. Like, he can put muscle on. Come on. You know what I mean? I I, I don't buy that. I really don't. I, I, I think that's harsh. Um, Like, I... 
Like Killian Hayes, by the way. He's only 10 pounds heavier than Tyrese Halliburton, and he's the same height, 6'5". But everyone say, hey, the Knicks are interested. They, they, they could... It could be, you know, duo French point guards. It's 10 pounds. So I I don't buy that. I really don't. I I don't think that that's the reason. If that's what's being put out there, there might be another reason if the Knicks are not really interested in Halliburton that they're going that way. I still think they probably are. I think that they, I think they'd be thrilled to take him if they're smart. Again, that's the other thing, right? The, the, The wild card here is the Knicks don't always do well with these high draft picks, and that's putting it very, very lightly here. So, I think that for anyone that's doubting whether or not Tyrese Halliburton could grow into a body that's good enough for the NBA long term, right? It could be. I, I think it's ready for next season, but long term, right? To be able to to withstand the contact and the physicality of the NBA compared to college. Don't worry about that. I, I think that's for me. I'm not saying like. What I'm saying is he can put on the weight. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, whether or not he can handle it in the NBA, that everyone is up in the air with that, right? I mean, it's the it's the it's the NBA draft. We don't know. But Tyrese Halliburton can put on a, f- a few extra LBs. I think that's not something the Knicks need to worry about. His body for the current point guard position is ready for the NBA. I don't think that's the issue. The issue for me is gonna be whether or not he can defend at all. I think that's the biggest knock on Tyrese Halliburton's game. And then on top of that, you know, he's a good defender, but in the NBA, that's going to be where it really, uh, we, we really see him possibly make the next step. The other issue will be, you know, his decision-making. So those are things that are going to get better as he gets older. So We'll see. I, I I gave myself a big like rolling of the eyes when I when I when I read that. I just thought I was just I was just I read through the that headline. I'm just like, wait, what? Like that's the that's the biggest issue you you have with Tyree. Okay, don't necessarily buy into that. In my opinion, I I don't think that that's the biggest issue. Now for me and. With the point guard conversation, I always get asked, rank, you know, Knicks point guards as, you know, if you if you had the number one pick, right, who would you take? I've gone back and forth on it. I If you would ask me five, six months ago, I probably would have said Cole Anthony, but I was not really taking it into account as far as if you had the prospects at your feet, you could take anybody. I just thought Knicks are sixth in the draft. Cole Anthony's probably going to be there. Take him. I think it makes a lot of sense. Right now, I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards still taking Cole Anthony at eight. If you don't move anywhere, Halliburton is the backup option. I I think that either one of those guys for me is a win. That's where I come down on it. Either one of those guys there is a win. Then you start to, to look through the other options. LaMelo Ball. Can the Knicks put together a trade that makes sense? If we're talking talent, LaMelo Ball is the best point guard in the draft. He's arguably the best player in this draft. But I don't think the Knicks can go up and get him without giving up a lot. And listen, we talked about trades where the Knicks can get stuff back as well as, you know, they'd swap picks, maybe give up another pick, and then maybe give up a player, and then they'd get the pick and possibly a player back. If that's on the table, the Knicks should... 
snapped it up in a heartbeat and and take the deal. But depending on who the player is. But it's one of those things where like that's not a slam dunk. That's not a you know, that's not a hundred percent. So the Knicks have to it's tough. It's so tough. The Knicks have just gotta make sure if they do trade up, they cannot give up the whole thing here. There's still a good core of young players. Like you shouldn't be trading a Mitchell Robinson. Obviously RJ Barrett's off the table. But if you can if you can give up somebody and get a player back and then swap the picks, maybe even give up your second first round pick to potentially as well. I mean, that's what we're looking at. You know, that those are on that's on the table. Teams will be asking for things like that. Then we'll get a better idea. I feel like I'm still all over the place as we get closer to the draft because I just don't know what the Knicks are gonna do. I, I it could be one of ten different ways. Like I'm I'm happy because there's a lot of options where the Knicks could get this right. But there's also options where the Knicks could get this horribly, horribly wrong. And we're looking at the end of the draft and we're thinking, oh my God, what are we going to do with this team? Like, that's where I go. I I feel like we're going to be either at one end of the spectrum or the other. I don't know if there's going to be an in-between with this upcoming draft. I think we're either going to be really excited about who the Knicks took with that first pick. or We're going to be thinking, what are they thinking? Like, what were they doing? So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But for the time being, it's all speculation. We'll see how it plays out. And we we still have a little over a month to talk about it before we get to draft night and we hash out how this all goes down. All right, that's the end of the show this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. Again, I hope you guys are doing well during this difficult time. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe and rate. Give five stars on iTunes. It'd be really appreciated for the entire podcast network. Thank you guys as always for listening. And I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.